Good morning. I got a better response than Bobby did. That says something. <laughs> I have to turn myself on. Hold on. Do I hold it? Okay. Does it scream at me? Oh, it turns green. Okay. All right. Let's pray. God, I ask that you would help us to have our minds set on you, that you would mold us, O oh Lord, under your word, and that we would not have just ceased to worship in singing, but that we would continue to worship in your word. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Well, it's always awkward when somebody knows your name and you don't know theirs. That is quite literally my experience today with all of you. Uh, so I, I hope that that awkwardness uh, of me forgetting your name, calling you the wrong name, um, making up a name for you, <laughs> that all that stuff would, would, would fade uh, quickly for us and that we would get to, get to be a family. Um, the church is a family. The church is not a building. The church is the people that are gathered in the building. Um, it's the whole, whole purpose of, of um, the word that's used in the Greek. Uh, I'm starting a sermon series, actually, on the Gospel of Matthew. Why the Gospel of Matthew? Because it's the first one, right? Not really, actually. Mark was written first. But um, because, honestly, it, it says Jesus confronts us and convicts us in ways that nothing else can. Um, and I love the Gospel of Matthew. Gospel of Matthew is the first gospel I read through because it was the first one in the New Testament when I, when I was saved. Um, and it raised nothing but questions, um, many of which I will not answer for, for you when you come up with the same questions. Just kidding. I'm not that mean. I, I, I promise I have a sense of humor. It's super dry. So there's going to be a lot of things I say where you're like, I don't know if he's serious. Um, I'm usually not. <laughs> so I'll give you that spoiler. Um, all right. So our, our text today is Matthew chapter 1. Go ahead and open up your Bibles to Matthew chapter 1, verses 1 through 17. Um, I'm going to go ahead and read it. Yes, all of it, all of the names. I'm going to read all of them uh, today. So Matthew chapter 1, starting in verse 1. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham, Abraham was the father of Isaac, and Isaac the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers, and Judah the father of, of Perez, and, and Zerah, and Tamar, and Perez the father of Hezron, and Hezron the father of Ram, and Ram the father of Aminadab, and Aminadab the father of Nashon, and Nashon the father of Salmon, and Salmon the father of Boaz by Rahab, and Boaz the father of Obed by Ruth, and Obed the father of Jesse. And Jesse, the father of David, the king. And David was the father of Solomon by the wife of Uriah, otherwise known as Bathsheba. And Solomon, the father of Rehoboam. And Rehoboam, the father of Abijah. And Abijah, the father of Asaph. And Asaph, the father of Jehoshaphat. And Jehoshaphat, the father of Joram. And Joram, the father of Uzziah. And Uzziah, the father of Jotham. And Jotham, the father of Ahaz. And Ahaz, the father of Hezekiah, and Hezekiah, the father of Manasseh, and Manasseh, the father of Amos, and Amos, the father of Josiah, and Josiah, the father of Jeconiah and his brothers at the time of the deportation to Babylon. Now all of you are asleep. 
And after the, father, uh, after the deportation to Babylon, Jeconiah was the father of Shealtiel, and Shealtiel the father of Zerubbabel, and Zerubbabel the father of Abiud, and Abiud the father of Eliakim, and Eliakim the father of Azor, and Azor the father, the father of Zadok, and Zadok the father of Akim, and Akim the father of Eliud, and Eliud the father of Eliezer, and Eliezer the father of Mathan, and Mathan the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary of whom Jesus was born, who is called Christ. So all the generations from Abraham to David were 14 generations, and from David to the deportation of Babylon, 14 generations, and the deportation, uh, and from the deportation of Babylon to the Christ, 14 generations. This is the word of the Lord. And now you know I can pronounce most of those names. That's always the fun thing, right? When you go into a Sunday school class, everybody asks, like, oh, let's, let's go ahead and, and read something. And it's like some funky name you've never read before. And you're just hoping the Sunday school teacher messes it up. And you know, you know how it's supposed to be said, right? That's, that's the way we do things in Christianity. We prove other people wrong. All right. Uh, <laughs> so, like I said, I have a sense of humor. And I'm not always serious. I'm very seldom serious when I sound like an idiot like that. All right. So I, 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 I'm bad at introductions. And this is your first week meeting me. Uh, I'm, I'm the guy that fails at basically every single job interview uh, because, you know, the first thing you're supposed to do, there's like a list of things that you're supposed to do when you meet someone. I'm bad at all of them, every single one of them. Uh, you know, dress nice. Check. Oh, my shirt's untucked in the back. <laughs> um, you know, shake their hand. Oh, my, my palms are sweaty and it was awkward. Uh, like, you know, you go through that list of things and I, I'm, I'm just bad at it. So I'm going to let you all know right now, in line with what Bobby said, not only will I make a mistake every single day, but I promise to disappoint each and every one of you at some point. But the question is, do you have enough grace to extend it to me? Did Jesus give you enough grace to extend it? to me. Um, guilt trip, number one. All right. Um, so, so we're diving into the gospel of Matthew. When we call it the gospel of Matthew, in English, we, we tend to finalize things. Uh, when we say the gospel of Matthew, it's Matthew's gospel. It's possessive. Um, but that's not, that, that's not necessarily the right term for it. Um, the Gospel of Matthew um, is a book, book of the Bible. Is it Matthew's Gospel? Yeah, kind of. But who is the Gospel? What's it about? Why is it there? Well, uh, let's, let's define Gospel. Mark, actually, in his Gospel, starts off with, a, with probably one of the best statements that any of the biblical authors could give in definition of their book. Um, typically... We offer a thesis statement at the beginning of our, of our works. Like if I write a letter, I offer you some form of thesis statement, like Paul does, you know, grace and peace to you. If I'm writing a, a, an essay, I put a thesis statement, basically just telling you what this is going to be about, what this is. Mark in, uh, in chapter, chapter one says, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the son of God. So... When Mark says that, he's not saying, hey, this is the beginning of the gospel. He's saying this whole book, it's just the beginning of the gospel. 
So Matthew, in a similar way, starts off. When we call this the gospel of Matthew, gospel is not the life and times of Jesus Christ. The gospel of Matthew is not just the things that he said. No, no, no. Jesus Christ is the gospel. He is the good news. Him coming is the best news. So that's what Mark sets off in his gospel. Matthew was probably written, was probably the second one written. Luke was probably the third and John probably the last. Matthew starts off in a totally different way, man. Totally different way. How does he start? A list of names. Does that sound like a really good way to start off a book? A list of names? Um, Especially when you're a first-time Christian, you read these names and you're like, hmm, not only are they hard to say, I have no idea who these dudes are. Um, Dudes and dudettes, actually. Matthew includes some some females in it. Um, Ruth and and the wife of Uriah, otherwise known as Bathsheba, if you know the story. Um, So, so... What's the purpose of the book? What's the purpose of this particular book of the Bible? That's the problem. That's one of my problems with introductions and sermons, too. I'm supposed to give you an overview of, uh, of the book. If I'm going to preach through a book like I'm going to do, I'm supposed to tell you some themes to look out for. So Matthew's gospel has some pretty glaring themes in it. First of all, it assumes some knowledge, doesn't it? When, it, when he starts off this way with a bunch of names, Matthew assumes you know who these dudes are. Hopefully we can start off saying, uh, you know, Jesus Christ, I, know, I got that, I know that. David, oh, I know that one. He's the guy that killed Goliath with a rock. Um, and then Abraham. Hopefully we know Abraham. But notice in the very first verse, the son of David, Jesus is the son of David. Nah, Jesus is the son of Mary. Uh, And he's the son of, and David was the son of Abraham. No, I'm pretty sure there's 14 generations as Jesus puts. So what's, what's Matthew's purpose in starting this off? Well, he's, he's doing it this way because he's trying to show Jesus's kingly uh, secession. Secession? Succession. There we go. Um, Secession is when you cease for something. So he's trying to show Jesus' kingly succession, right? Through what? Through lineage. Lineage of what? God's promises. See, that's the point that Matthew's trying to make here. He's trying to say that Jesus is the promised king. He's trying to say that Jesus is actually the focus of, of all the rest of this book. You know, if you're in Matthew, if you're holding a Bible, you've got this much space before you get to this one short book. All the rest of these pages have a purpose. What's their purpose? To point to Christ, to point to the Messiah, to point to the coming king, the one that's been promised since Abraham. Actually, it's been promised since Genesis 3, since the fall. So all these pages have, a, have an apex. You know what an apex is? You know what a peak is? Yeah, there's mountains everywhere. Drove through them to get here. They were snowy. So, uh, so, so the peak, the point, the purpose, the maximum uh, altitude that can be reached through all of this, Jesus. Jesus. 
Sunday school answer right there. Raise your hand, Jesus. <laughs> so there, so so that's what Matthew is trying to get get here. He's trying to say that Jesus is the King, but not just the King. He was promised. He was promised all the way through the Old Testament. If we can get that in our minds, if we can get get past all the, uh, you, you ever heard the the phrase "don't uh, don't don't lose the forest through the trees." We have a tendency to get stuck. We, we have a tendency to lose the forest through the trees when we read anything. We have a tendency to get bogged down and forget that Jesus is the, the apex, the peak, the center. He's the focus of every little bit of scripture. Sometimes we make it about us, don't we? Oh, maybe, maybe more than sometimes. But, <laughs> but we, we like to think that we're the focus of scripture, but we're not. Jesus is. And Jesus was promised throughout the entirety of Scripture. Uh, These names, this is a list of names, right? Every name is a story. You all got a name. You all got a story. Um, How many of you guys have done Ancestry.com? Yeah, I have not. My hand goes down. Uh, But my wife did. My wife was actually adopted. Um, and she knew her, her, who her birth mom was, but didn't know who her birth father was. So through a, through a, through a, a, a coincidence, she actually discovered her birth father through this thing. She was hoping to do that. It wasn't who she thought it was. There was no way to make it work when she did all the matching and everything. Um, but she discovered her lineage in it. Our lineage doesn't necessarily say what Jesus does. Jesus's lineage is, is different. Um, so all these names have a, a, a story behind them. Um, Abraham was, is seen as the patriarch of Israel. And he really is because he actually birthed, um, birth, <laughs> he birthed Isaac. So uh, Isaac, the father of Jacob, Jacob, the father, so forth. So Abraham is the patriarch. He's that very first. Why would Matthew start with Abraham? Was Abraham the first man? No. Adam was the first man. But Abraham was the first, um, the first that, that God made a promise to. The, we call it the Abrahamic covenant. Um, uh, boy, I'm, my name's Scott, so anything, anything related to me could be technically Scottish, but it's Scott-ish. But when we refer to the Abrahamic covenant, we're talking very specifically about a promise that God made with Abraham. That promise was that, that his... his, uh, his um, Descendants would outnumber the, the sand on the seashore, the stars in the sky. And then Abraham, what was Abraham supposed to do? Actually, nothing. He was given circumcision as a, as a seal of that promise. Uh, he was given a very specific seal to the promise. Um, but God is the one who made the promise and God's the one who fulfilled it. That's what we find here. We find here in Jesus. Jesus is the fulfillment of that promise. So Abraham's the patriarch. Who's David? Is David the first king of Israel? Nope. No, actually, Saul was the first king of Israel, but God, um, God put Saul into place kind of, as a, kind of a, as a point, like, hey, man, you're, you, you guys want, want a king? I will give you a king like the other nations, and he's going to be like the other nations. But David was the first, the first king that God made another promise to. So that, that's the kingly succession. But again, there's generations between there. There's 14 generations. 
Now, Matthew actually leaves some names out. If you're really careful, if you're really watching this, or if you compare it with the Gospel of Luke, there's, there's like two names left out. So it's not exactly 14. Um, scholars debate why he omitted the names, whether it was a mistake, which is called redaction criticism. That's not true. There's no mistake. Um, could have been that they were unrighteous. But then again, he's got... Uh, uh, now I just lost the name, but he's he's got some unrighteous folk in here. That's that's without uh, without fail. Um, so scholars debate why some names are left out. Honestly, I don't care. Uh, if you really want to know, I I I I don't think there's any special number in the 14 generations. I think Matthew just counted, and he's like, hey, look at that. This adds up. Um, but you and you know what I'm talking about. Verse 17. You know Abraham to David 14. David, the deportation, 14. There's no special number there. Please, please recognize that. Um, but the, but, but the, the point that he's making is, again, that kingly succession. That Jesus was promised from the very first pages of the Bible till now. This is the point of him coming. I know this isn't Christmas. We're going to talk about the birth of Jesus next week. And it's not Christmas. Don't bring a tree. Um, but... We have to get this out of the way. This is introductory matter. I will disappoint all of you, as many of you are disappointed now. Um, so, if Jesus was promised all the way through the Old Testament, what, what, what really is the promise? I mean, we elevate David, man, right? Like, slay your Goliath through the power of God, but that's not actually the point of the story of David. Uh, David killing Goliath is not to say that you are David and you need to slay your Goliath. The point of that story is that God defends Israel. God defends his promise. God is the one who covers everything uh, so that everything happens. You ever think that Jesus was maybe just a mistake? Hopefully not. Was Jesus planned from the beginning? Well, yeah, we actually find that out. We find that out actually in Genesis very clearly. Uh, we find that, that, that there's going to be someone who the, the serpent bruises his heel and then he crushes the head of the serpent. It's Genesis 3. It's the fall. And yet God says, I plan to redeem this. So when we, when we hear of these stories of these people, we actually find their faults and failures, don't we? Was Abraham perfect? No. Why did God choose Abraham? Because he did. We find out that Abraham made some pretty big mistakes. David, however, made an even bigger mistake. Uh, and it's included right here. When uh, verse, verse 6, And David was the father of Solomon by the wife of Uriah. Who's the wife of Uriah? Bathsheba. So we find out that David actually used, potentially used his kingly power to steal somebody else's wife to sleep with her, got her pregnant, and then decided to get her husband murdered to cover up his sin, almost as if God didn't catch it. And then David ends up losing that child because he murdered Bathsheba's husband, whose name was Uriah. So we find very clear that none of these people are worth imitating, really. Like, they've all got some good qualities. Abraham's pretty cool, actually. He's got some really good qualities, but we find that they're imperfect. Are you imperfect? Yeah. Hopefully you realize that. 
Otherwise, we call that narcissism. Anyway, um, <laughs> another bad joke, sorry. Um, so, so we find pretty clearly that while Jesus is promised, the people that he comes from are pretty messed up. His lineage, which by the way, I think it's interesting. This is just a random fact. When it says the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the word genealogy is the same word for Genesis. So uh, it means the same thing. Genesis doesn't just mean the creation of life. It means lineage. So um, when we look at the book of Genesis, it's a lineage pointing to something. Anyway, sorry, random fact. But, the, but when we look at these things, when we read these stories, man, we, we recognize not only the frailty and the failure of all these people, but we recognize God's faithfulness despite their failures. We recognize God's faithfulness throughout all of time for a purpose. And his purpose is redemption. And redemption comes only through Jesus Christ. So Jesus is no accident. He's better. He's perfect. He's better than each and every one of these names. Just to pick on a few of them, Abraham is seen as the father of Israel. You read that in the Gospels. Even the Pharisees say, our father Abraham. We have a kid's song that sings that too. Um, but, but, you know, Abraham's the patriarch. He's the father of Israel. But Jesus is, a, is the new and better patriarch. Uh, Boaz was the redeemer of Ruth. Boaz is mentioned in here. But Jesus is the new and better redeemer. David slayed the giant Goliath. But Jesus slayed the giants of sin and death. Solomon was wise, but Jesus is the incarnation of wisdom. I mean, we could go through every single one of these names. We could find somewhere where this person was good, where they were bad, and where Jesus is better. The same thing is true for you guys. You guys all have different abilities, talents, but Jesus is better. Gathering in the body of Christ is not about showing off. It's not about being the best. It's not about being cool. It's instead looking at Jesus. Jesus is the center. We are all frail, messed up people, man. I... I, I am a walking mess up, I promise. You just have to meet my kids, all three of them together. You will, you, you will, you will have living examples of how I, how, how, how I am not perfect. Neither are they, nor do I want them to be. Abby's the closest, that's why I brought her. Uh, <laughs> but but we, we, need to, we need to recognize that when we look at this list of genealogy, man, these people are messed up. The gospel is the good news, the good news of Jesus Christ, the good news that, that God himself decided to redeem this world, that we messed up. When we look at this lineage, we recognize that Jesus is so much better. That's the purpose of this. So when we, when, when, when we realize that, again, Jesus is that apex, that, that, that top dog of, of, of all things, when, when did he come? Was he just, what, what, did, did God just point at a point in time and just say, boink, that's the time I want? Um, kind of, actually. Turn, turn real quick with me to Galatians chapter 4. Um, chapter 4, verses 4 and 5. 
Paul writes to the Galatians uh, about Jesus's coming. He says, but when, well, just, just to, just to uh, push back a little bit, uh, verse three, in the same way, we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the, of the world. He means um, uh, just being stuck with sin, just, just being dead in your sins. Verse four, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. When the fullness of time had come, when God determined, was Jesus an accident, a, 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 a formation of DNA that God was waiting for? No. Was God waiting for the perfect mom? No. No, Mary was not perfect. She actually comes to Jesus, we'll get to this point, comes to Jesus to, to tell him, like, hey, slow it down. Uh, she and Jesus' brothers, and Jesus kind of shuts it down by saying, nah, uh, who are my mother and brothers? <laughs> but the people that do the will of God. See, Jesus is the apex. He's the focus. And we, we, we as Christians have tendency to lose sight of how wonderful the gospel is, especially as the years progress. As we spend time um, being Christians, we, 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 we need reminders of, of who, who the real focus of the Christian life is. And that's why I like this genealogy. It starts off very clear, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ. He is the focus and we come throughout this, the, the rest of this book and we find that not only is he um, the focus of this book, but he's the focus of all things. So Jesus is promised throughout the whole Old Testament. His lineage is checkered. I mean, there's some unrighteous folk in this lineage. There's some imperfect people. If I were God, man, I would not have chosen this lineage. Uh, if I were God, I would have chosen something that looks a lot more um, priestly than even the priests, uh, the, the Levitical priests had a, had a messed up lineage. Um, just read First Samuel. I mean, uh, you, you find some pretty mess, messy moments in there. Aaron, the very first high priest, his sons messed up so much that God swallowed them in the earth. Okay? That's pretty drastic. When the earth goes boink, people fall in, and then boink, it closes over them. I would have come from something a lot better looking if I were Jesus. But that's kind of the point, isn't it? God doesn't want perfection from us. He wants to show his perfection. He wants to show how wonderful he is to us. And we respond to it. It's the point of salvation. We see God's holiness. We see his, his, his glory, his wonder, and then we see our brokenness, our sinfulness, our ugliness. Man, the worst man I've ever met is the one I look at in the mirror. That's, that's, that's what we are, saints. We are sinners saved by a holy God. And that's the same here. It's a genealogy that's checkered, that's broken, that's messed up, that's got... I mean, it's got incest in it. It's, 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 got, it's, it's got rape in it. This, this whole genealogy is just ugly. 
But God made something beautiful out of it. He's in the business of redeeming. And the Christian life is nothing but redemption. We grow more like him. Sometimes we grow more stubborn. Like me, we think, hey, I wouldn't have chosen this bunch for my family. If I have to go on my ancestry thing, um, I mean, I'm, I'm Scottish, man. Scottish, the, the Scots were, 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 were pillagers. <laughs> they stole women and brought them back to Scotland. Um, the, I've, got, I've got Norwegian in my blood. They were Vikings. They actually went in boats to go steal women. I mean, I know I've got that in my past. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I'm not happy about it. I'm not going to look and say my great, 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 great grandfather was a cool dude. Um, that's not something I'm going to say. But we can, we can look at this lineage. We can say, you know, honestly, no matter how horrible this lineage is and my lineage is, God does precisely what he intends to do. He is sovereign. Sovereign is just another word to say that he's king. He sits on his throne and does what he wants. And what he wants is always the best. Jesus, by all accounts, I mean, he was the son of a carpenter, right? Um, should have been a nobody. Should, should have made tables for a living. But he was God who took on flesh, just like our song said. Fullness of deity and helpless babe. He struggled through everything. As we'll see, he struggled through everything but persevered. Have you persevered? No. But he has for you. That's the gospel. This is a gospel about the kingliness of Jesus. This is a gospel about his rule, his reign. That's the theme of Matthew's gospel. So when we look through here, we're going to find a lot of Old Testament references. Uh, Matthew assumes a basic working knowledge of these things. And if we don't have it, praise God. Praise God, because we then get to see these names and go, ah, let's look back. Let's look back and see these dudes. I could have done that. I thought of doing it. I thought of going, you know, Abraham and Isaac and going through the people. Would have spent a year in the first 17 verses of Matthew 1. That would have been awesome. We, we call that expositional preaching, where you expose the truth of the text. And the slower you go, the, the holier the garment you wear in heaven, right? Um, that's sarcasm. Please recognize that as sarcasm. But, but I, I'm, I'm not going to torture you guys through that because um, can you imagine a whole sermon on Hezron? Who's Hezron? <laughs> anyway, so, so we've, got, we've got three things here. We know what the gospel is. The gospel is, is that Jesus Christ came. But the gospel is not ended. The gospel is still happening. That's how you guys came to Christ. That's how, that's how all of us come to God is the fact that the gospel is still in effect. The gospel is not that one and done thing. You know, for God so loved the world. Who can finish that sentence? Right. That verse is not the end of the gospel. <laughs> the gospel continues. The gospel is Jesus' coming. The gospel is Jesus' death. The gospel is his ascension, and the gospel is his kingly reign and the consummation to come. The gospel is 
All of that was promised in the Old Testament, fulfilled in the New. See, the New Testament doesn't make sense without the Old. There have been people who have tried to divorce the Old Testament uh, from, from the Bible. Like, oh, we don't need that. We just need this Jesus stuff. Jesus disagrees. We'll get to that too. Um, we need the old to see the new. And we need the, 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 the old to see the new clearly. But we also need the new to see the old clearly. He is the apex, the peak of everything. But we also saw, too, that God likes to make beautiful things out of broken things. He's a God of redemption. That's that's the wonder. This holy God who should punish us eternally for sin and will punish eternally for sin redeems. He saves. He restores. He renews. He does a lot of things that are wonderful that only he can do. He should punish us, but instead he gives us grace, undeserved favor. He gives us mercy when he should be merciless. We have rebelled. All of us have rebelled. We've all broken it. What's it? It. We've all broken it. (laughs) We've all broken a lot of stuff. We've broken our relationship with our king. And our king comes down. Our king dies in our place. What a beautiful thing. That's what we call a gospel hope. So today, as you sit here, you hear all these interesting facts. How is God redeemed? Not just past tense, but how does he continue to redeem in you? How does he continue to show that he makes beauty out of broken, broken stuff? Are you focused on him? Do you, is he the center of your all? Because I'll tell you, I like to make myself the center of my all. <laughs> Resist that. Fight it. Flee it. It's what we call temptation. In Sunday school class, we had a great conversation about suffering. I bet you've never heard great conversation about suffering in the sentence before. We had a great conversation about suffering. And one of the biggest things that we have, one of the biggest problems we have with suffering is that we think we're the center of the universe. No, Jesus is the center of the universe. As you're going through your struggles and your trials and your temptations, look to Christ. Not as an invisible reality contained in words in the book, but the actual living God. He listens. He hears. He responds. He loves so when we're going throughout this gospel, we're going we're, we're to be convicted by the words of Jesus. We're going to be convinced by the words of Jesus. We're, we're going to be stretched. We're actually going to be encouraged, believe it or not. Um, after everything else I just said, encouraged was the only positive. Anyway, um, but we're, 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 we're going to be hurt. So let's get hurt together. This is a replant. This is, this is me coming into a church. You guys have admitted that there's problems. You may not have ex- admitted that, that, that you could be the problem. I will openly admit that I will be the problem. Just you wait like a week. Um, but but I, I'm, I'm here to shepherd. I'm here to display Jesus. I'm here to make sure that we're centered, we're focused on the gospel. That's why we're going through the gospel of Matthew. 
Let's pray. Lord, you are king. You are sovereign. You are great. You are wonderful. You're glorious. You're omnipotent. You're you're all-powerful. You're all-knowing. You see us better than we see ourselves. And I plead with you, God, that you, by your Holy Spirit, would, ena- would empower us to, to repent of sins, to, to, to even be convicted of our sins. As a body, we're here to worship you. May we repent. May we do it to your glory, your honor, and our benefit. May we worship you together. Amen.